Um, hi, so yeah, if you missed it, my name's Hannah, um, and I'm doing today's Bible reading from James chapter 3, verse 1 to 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. G'day everyone again. My name is Scott. Really good to be with you this morning. Why don't we pray as we come to God's word? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak. Please help us listen and hear you now. We know that your words are good for us and true. Please help us have hearts that are ready to hear you. Please help us put aside the things of the week gone by and the worries and pressures of life that we might know you by your word and live to please Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. Friends, have you ever been in a dangerous situation? Let me tell you about something that happened to me. I was about 12 or 13. Uh, My brother was a year younger than me, and we had a friend visiting. His name's Dave. He was visiting from Sydney. And the next day, he had to go back to Sydney. Uh, And so we planned on on that next day just to get up early. We'd all head to the beach together, and we'd go for one last time uh, bodyboarding. And so we did. We got up early the next morning and went down to the beach. Uh, We'd walk onto the beach, and as soon as you got onto the beach, you knew to turn right and walk about 100 metres up that way, because that's where the safe part of the beach was. So we get on the beach, turn right, walk kind of bit, up, up to the safe part of the beach, and then we jump in. Uh, it's kind of a bit of a choppy day, it's not really good, for, but it's fun because, you know, you're 12 and 13, you have no idea of dangers that can be lurking. And uh, we kind of caught a wave in, but you know, when we caught a wave in, we realised we were back at the part of the beach where we actually started. So we had to get out of the water, walk 100 metres back up the other way, jump, get to the safe part and jump in again. And constantly this is what would happen, we'd, we'd walk up the beach, catch the wave... Be getting where we, we where we started and have to go. It's like a circular thing. There's a big rip in the ocean that day, and we were oblivious to it. Um, it could have easily just kind of spun us around and taken us a hundred meters out to to out, out out in the ocean, which would have meant you know none of us knew what to do then. But the worst thing about the danger was that we were unaware of it. 
completely unaware. Perhaps there's dangers that you worry about in life. Climate change, personal safety, health risks, financial risks, I don't know, whatever they are. Then, and these may be great dangers, but the dangers that we don't see coming, they end up being far greater dangers to us because we don't see them coming. At church, we're going through uh, the book of James. James is a letter uh, written, not surprisingly, by a guy called James. James was Jesus' brother, and he was the pastor of a church in Jerusalem. But most of the people in his church have had to flee from Jerusalem. Uh, They've had to get out because they've been persecuted. They're running away from this persecution, and James is writing to them after they've scattered all over the place. And you might think, well, that's their big danger, isn't it? The persecution, the oppression that they're facing. But what we've just heard from Hannah is that James has actually a bigger danger. And it's probably one they never expected. It's the tongue. The words they say. James says, there is a real danger with our words. Today we might hear this and we think, oh, he's probably just overreacting a little bit. Isn't he? Surely there's bigger dangers in our world, even today, Right? So as we get into this today, I want to invite you, why don't we hear what James has to say and think for ourselves, is this a danger that we face as well? Our words and the way we use them? The first thing we see in the passage today is that the tongue, our words, they have great power. Your tongue might be small, our words might not seem like very much, But actually, they have great power. And James uses a whole bunch of illustrations to help us see this. Uh, Take a horse, for example. Who's ridden a horse before? Anyone here? A few, quite a a few of us. That's impressive, yeah. Uh, I didn't go to a super posh high school. But for some reason, our school decided it'd be great for them to invest in getting horses. Um, Now, look, to be honest, most of them were kind of old and docile things, just kind of one step away from the glue factory. But, but there were a couple of them that were younger and a bit more sprightly. And one day I got to ride one of these younger horses. And to be honest, I was a little bit hesitant, like, I, I, nervous about getting on this beast because, look, it's bigger than me. It's stronger than me. And if it wanted to, it could flick me off its bat with no worries at all. So as I'm getting on this thing, I'm, I'm, I'm making sure I don't freak out because there's a bunch of my friends there and I don't want them to think, well, he's a weep, wimp, isn't he? But definitely on the inside, I'm nervous. But you know what? To my surprise, it wasn't too bad. I could control this thing. Even when we got into a gallop later on, it could steer where it wanted to go, all because it has that little bit in its mouth. That's what James points to in verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, We can turn the whole animal. Now, the bit is not very big. That's probably why they call it a bit. Uh, But it it has great power. It controls where the whole horse goes. And James gives another example. Take the rudder of a ship. It's not the biggest part of the ship. In fact, it's quite a small part of the ship. But it has great power. Because the rudder controls where the whole ship goes. And James says that is like the tongue. That's like our words. Verse 5. 
Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Just like the bit that goes in the mouth of a horse, just like the rudder on a ship, the tongue is small, but it is powerful, friends. It makes great boasts. Our words can control the direction that our lives go in. Or again, James says, our tongues are like a small spark that grows to become a great fire. That's what verse 5 says. Have a look at verse 5. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Uh, Where my parents live, there's state forest out the back. I remember this very clearly. It was the last... uh, Year 12 exam, I sat, chemistry, uh, finished, pen down, kind of walk out of the room, celebrating, high-fiving, going home. When I went home, they were back-burning the state forest up near our place. And so I went out and, and I watched this happen. Uh, at the start, it's really only like a small flame there, like, like this guy doing it. But it became a huge fire. So I was out the back watching it. I'll never forget what it was like. You know, the first thing that, you, you, that makes you recognize as a fire it wasn't actually seeing the fire. It was hearing it. Could hear like, it's like when you pour milk onto rice bubbles. There's that crackling noise that comes along. And then you, you comes the heat. And before too long, there's huge flames just kind of dancing up and down these trees. Smoke's billowing out everywhere. It actually turned, the sky became orange and then really quite dark. Like it had blocked out the sun. And this... This was just a controlled burn. This wasn't even a real bushfire. Just back burning. It all starts with that small spark. The small spark is powerful, just like the tongue, just like our words. Our words have power, friends. The tongue might be a small part of your body, but it has power. Your words have power. That's the first thing we see here. Now, of course, anything that has power can be used for good or for evil, right? Uh, for example, we've got a new prime minister at the moment, Anthony Albanese. He's a week into his job. And now that he's the prime minister, he has a lot of power. The question we're all asking, is he going to use it for good or not? And in a few years' time, we'll all have our say and vote him in or out again. We'll give our verdict. Anything that has power can be used for good or for evil, and the tongue is no different. We can use our words for good or for evil, and that makes our words dangerous. That's really the second thing we see in James here. Words have power, and that makes them dangerous. I had a teacher in high school, Mr. Richo. Mr. Richo taught uh, science and ag, um, he's actually from Zimbabwe originally. Um, Mr. Richo was not the greatest teacher, to be honest. He, he'd sit in his class and he'd, make you, he'd write stuff on the board and you had to copy it down in your book. So not a very interesting class. So the trick in his classes was to get him talking about stories, stories from when he was growing up in Zimbabwe because that was much more interesting. Like the time that he nearly got eaten by a hippo or the time he got bitten by a snake and he thought he was going to die. All the story of these family friends that he had. Now, these family friends, and he said, going over to their house, you, you, you were kind of a bit on edge the whole time. 
because they had a pet, but their pet wasn't like a, a dog or a rabbit. They had a pet leopard living in their house with them. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, this leopard just kind of roamed the house, sit on the couch as you're there beside it watching TV. Uh, Mr. Richo say, would say that they had it to um, protect them from any burglars who wanted to break in at night. And of course, you can imagine that would give someone a great fright, right? There's a leopard. As a teenager, I was in wonder at this idea. Here's a, how can you have a pet leopard? You can actually tame an animal like this to live in your house? What James says in verse 7 is so true. Look at it, verse 7 with me. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, even leopards, friends. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. The tongue is so hard to tame. Our words have power. And so often we use them badly. Haven't you ever said something that you've regretted? You see the point, right? Our words are dangerous. In fact, James wants to say there's three ways that our words are dangerous. Three ways. Firstly, he says, your words can put yourself in danger. Because if you use your words poorly, you can change the course of your whole life for the worse. So let's, let's look at verse 5 again. Verse 5, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. See, words can corrupt our whole self, can set our whole lives on a course that is not good. I mean, you can imagine this happening, can't you? Like, let's say that the... the Let's use the example of being in a workplace. Um, Imagine you've got a a work colleague and they use their words badly. Maybe they speak to others, um, sorry, speak about others behind their back. Maybe they, uh, in meetings, they they have critical views all the time. They, They have an acid tongue about others. You can imagine that this kind of person will get a reputation yeah others probably tend to avoid them after a while they don't they become people who aren't trusted by their colleagues that when management sees them they look at them and think well that person's not a team player and so already words have had a bad impact on this person's life and, and you can imagine how that would continue you know if the company has to downsize who is it that goes when the promotion opens up, who, who is it that misses out? With our words, we can be a great danger to ourselves. And secondly, James says, our words can put others in danger as well. We can hurt others and bring others down with our words. So it um, talks in verse 9 about us cursing others, using our words to tear others down, you know, anything from just casual gossiping to straight-out abuse. And we get this, don't we? We get this. Our words can hurt. 
We know this because most of us have at one point or another been hurt by what someone else has said about us or said to us. And probably most of us have hurt others with our words at some point too. James shows how unnatural, how out of place this is for those who are Christian believers. So look at verse 9 with me. Verse 9 says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear fruits? And the answer is no. Neither can a salt, water, a salt spring produce fresh water. Take a look at this picture. What's wrong with this picture? You can see it, can't you? That's a road and there's a boat on the road. Boats don't go on roads, do they? It's not right. It's out of place. I took this photo um, about a year ago, just uh, on uh, Hempstead Road somewhere. I don't know how it got there, but it's not right. It doesn't belong there. It's out of place, which is precisely the point here that James is making. If we praise God with our words, then why do we use our words to tear down someone who's made in God's likeness? who's made in God's image. It's not right. It's out of place. It should be unnatural for us. Can we see, friends, how how dangerous our words can be for others? But there's a third danger too. That our words can put us in danger of God's judgment. Back in verse 1, James said to us, not many of us should become teachers. Why is that? because teachers use words and as we've seen words are dangerous and God who is judged will see how we use our words for good or for bad and you see this again in verse 6 where he says the tongue can set your whole life on course that's not good even to the point of hell now let me clarify something here James isn't saying that if you just use your words really well God will look on you and you'll be saved. He's not saying that being a good person is going to save you. Not at all. In fact, remember last week, uh, James said, real faith always brings about good works. But the key is the faith. It's the real faith. It's the kind of faith you have. We are saved by faith in the Lord Jesus. If you missed last week, jump on the website and, and listen to the talk. But here, James is not saying that being a good person will save you or that using your words well will make you into a Christian. But he's pointing out our words can be dangerous. Our words have power and that makes them dangerous. And in fact, we've already heard this in the letter, haven't we? That's why James has already warned us in chapter 1, verse 26. He said, keep a tight rein on your tongue. That's why James has already said in chapter 1, verse 19, be quick to listen and slow to speak. That's why, have you heard this? That's why God gave us two ears but only one mouth. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Words have power. That makes them dangerous. 
we may not have ever thought that the way we speak could be one of life's great dangers. But the Bible is telling us it is. So, friends, how are you using your words? That's what I want to spend the rest of our time today asking. How are you using your words? Because if you've heard James today, then we'll know. All of us. This is something that all of us need to be careful about. None of us can walk out of here thinking, ah, words doesn't really matter. All of us need to be careful with our words. Now, I'm not saying that we've got to just kind of walk around on eggshells all the time, scared of saying the wrong thing. No, no. You can still have fun. You can still joke around. But your words are powerful. Make sure you're using that power well. Remember what James has said. No human being can tame the tongue. So be careful. What do you consider in your own life? Are your words putting you and your reputation in danger? Are your words tearing down other people? Are your words putting you in danger of the judgment of God? Are you using the power of your words for good, friends? Well, think about the different kind of spheres in life that you go in, that, that you walk in. How are you using your words when you're at work? Or how about when you're with friends? How are you, how are you using your words around your friends? What about with the people who you sit next to in class day after day? Or what about the words that you don't speak but you write on social media? What would your spouse say? What would your kids say? What would your parents say about the way that you use your words? Friends, each of us, you included, you have great power in your words. So let's be those who use this power for good. I want to say, Take a moment then to consider Jesus. How often do we see Jesus using his words for good? Like the time he met Zacchaeus, the little short guy. He was a guy who'd ripped off everyone in town. And so everyone wanted to have nothing to do with him. He was an outcast. He knew it. They spoke about him behind his back. But not Jesus. Jesus met him and, and spoke to Zacchaeus with compassion. In kindness, completely different. Seems like Jesus probably also spoke with him about making amends for the wrong he'd done, about repentance, because that's what Zacchaeus does. But Jesus approaches this guy completely differently to everyone else. What about the time that Jesus met the person who's just called the sinful woman? There didn't seem to be a need to write down exactly why she was sinful, because everyone at the time knew about it. They knew her history. And, and when she came to pour perfume on Jesus' feet in a great act of devotion to him, plenty of people wanted to point out her past to her, wanted to accuse her. But Jesus' words to her were different. They wanted just to get rid of her, to get her out of there. But Jesus didn't. He spoke to her words of forgiveness. And we could go on and on, couldn't we? 
know, the religious guy whose daughter was dying, the, the woman who was poor and couldn't stop her bleeding, the leper who had no hope. Each of them Jesus met. And, and as he spoke to them, he speaks to these outcasts and the people in need. He speaks to them with words of compassion. I suspect words that they had heard from no one before. Jesus powerfully uses his words, doesn't he? For good. And yet, even greater than that, think of the words Jesus speaks of salvation to to all. How he's going to bring rest for the weary. How he says he's, he's going to be a servant for us and pay our ransom price to set us free. He says to us, I'm going to bring you life to the full, life as it should be. I'm going to give you eternal life with God that starts now. So much so, Jesus says, that he can can turn to the thief on the cross who's who's been crucified beside him and say, today you'll be with me in paradise. Are These friends, they're words of power, aren't they? Jesus doesn't just speak nicely as as if he's a guy with impeccable manners. He speaks truthfully. But there's power in that truth. Jesus' words bring hope. And the beauty of this is that Jesus has given us his words to go out with as well. Jesus has given us today his words, those same words that are powerful. Not that we have to go out and Bible bash everyone and every conversation we ever have always has to be about Jesus all the time. Not that. But, but have a look at this verse from Colossians chapter 4. It says there, Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt. If you're someone here today who's a follower of Jesus, then you know the grace of God in your life, don't you? You know that through Jesus there is a hope and there is forgiveness from God to you. And here the Bible is just saying to us, let that shape the way you use your words. Again, not that every conversation has to always be only centered on God's grace to us in Jesus, but, but that we're not shy about God's grace. In fact, that's the, the seasoning, like the, the, the flavor of our words. Even when we're not speaking about Jesus, it shapes the way that we're talking because we're changed by God's grace, shaped by it. And we will speak about it. Let me end there then, friends. Your words are powerful. How are you going to use your power? In response to Jesus, I want to say today then, let's be those whose words are full of grace. Let me pray for us. Father God, we see in your word today that our words have power. We know there are times in the past, Father, where we have used our words badly and we want to ask of your forgiveness through Jesus for that. And Lord, we wanted to pray. Help us use the power of our words for good. We pray that our conversation would always be full of grace to your honor and glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.